highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Tonight is one of the worst kings that ever stepped foot on the throne in Judah. And he was involved in false worship, meaning he no longer worshipped Almighty God. He no longer worshipped Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, as his forefathers had, including David, the progenitor of the dynasty in Judah. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our lesson briefly describes the reign of Ahaz, perhaps the worst king of Judah. Whereas many previous kings fell short in some area or another, typically allowing sacrifices on high places, But in regards to Ahaz, it is simply said that he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. Ahaz had plenty of good examples, both immediately in his father Jotham and historically in his ancestor David. Ahaz rejected these godly examples and walked in his own way. Now let's join Pastor Rob's message as he begins in chapter 16 in the book of 2 Kings. If we could turn in our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 16, we're going to look at the life of Ahaz this evening. And really tonight as we look at this king of Judah, he's perhaps one of the worst kings. Um, There's a handful of them, but he's one of the worst. And, And we'll see the reason that he was one of the worst is because of his idolatry, uh, God is almighty God, and there is no God like him. Can any, everybody attest to that? Thumbs up? Yeah, there's only one God. He's, he's the one who made heavens and the earth and everything that is around us. He's complete. He's the potentate. He is the uh, pant, uh, panto creator. He is the creator of all things, right? And he deserves to be worshipped. Nobody else. And yet, we have kings, and you remember as we've gone through the, uh, as we've gone through first and second kings, we've seen a horrible uh, pattern, and that is the kings in the north, uh, the ten tribes in the north, after they had split, after Solomon had um, passed from the scene and his son Rehoboam sat on the throne, that it was at that time that the kingdom, the united kingdom, had split into two parts, the northern ten tribes and then the southern two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. And the northern ten tribes never recovered from their idolatry. Uh, Jeroboam, who was the um, progenitor, if you will, of that uh, line, he uh, never recovered from his idolatry, creating, if you remember, two centers of worship, one in the northern part of Israel in what we know to be as Dan, and the other one in Bethel, more in the center of the country. 
And they were places where they set up golden calves to worship. And his desire was to keep people away from Jerusalem, to keep those northern ten tribes, all those people, to keep them from being tempted to go down to worship where God had said that this is the place that I am to be worshipped. God would choose a place, and we'll see that in Deuteronomy uh, tonight, that he chose a place, a specific tribe, a specific place, where he ought to be worshipped. And, um, and, and it's interesting because the southern two tribes, although they did much better, there were a number of evil kings in the southern two tribes. And you'd think that after all that God had done for them, how he had uh, allowed them to build their temple, how God guided and uh, directed all of their steps up to that point, you would think that there would be an obvious desire and an acknowledgement that God is who he says he is and he deserves to, and to be worshipped. But such is the heart of natural man. If a man is not uh, toward God, he will fall for anything. He will seek to worship anything and everything other than God. But aren't you glad that once you came to Jesus, your search was over? You came to him, he, he came into your life, the Spirit of God indwelt you, and instantly, for, for, for many of us, it was that experience. There was an instant understanding that I have been changed. Something has happened to me. And for some, it's been a slow, gradual thing. and others, it was like a jackhammer or a lightning bolt. For me, it was a lightning bolt. But for others, it's different. And so we, we ought not to be concerned about our experiences. But the main thing is that you get it, that you have that relationship with God and that you give your heart to him. And, and so tonight is really um, about worship. And the southern two tribes, they had a handful of kings that were exemplary. And tonight is not one of them. Tonight is one of the worst kings that ever stepped foot on the throne in Judah. And he was involved in false worship, meaning he no longer worshipped Almighty God. He no longer worshipped Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, as his forefathers had, including David, the progenitor of the dynasty in Judah. But this man, Ahaz, did so many things to provoke God to anger. Does anybody like to provoke God to anger? Raise your hand if you do, because if you do, we'd like to step, you know, talk with you outside. Um, no, um, you know, none of us wants to provoke God to anger. But do you understand that we provoke God when we disobey him? Now, why? Is it because that God is so insecure that he's got to have people that just constantly affirm his deity? You know, God, you're so wonderful. He's like, oh, thank you. And nobody knows. Nobody treats me like you do. I love you. No, he, he could care less about what we think, in a sense. He desires that we have uh, fellowship with him, but he's perfectly fine by himself. Did you, did you know that? He was perfectly fine before he said, in the beginning, God. Before he created the heavens and the earth and all that's in them, he was perfectly fine the way he was. He didn't need any of us. But he delights when we, when his own creation comes to him of their own volition. And see, that's what love is. It's a volitional choice. It's a, it's a choice of my will. It's, a, it's proof of the love that I have because of what God has done for me. He's given us life and everything that we need. And on top of that, he gave us the greatest thing above all, 
And that's everlasting life. He's given us the Spirit of God as a down payment, as the earnest of our salvation. He gave us a part of that now so that we could experience a little bit of heaven on this side of our our breath here on this earth. Right? He's done that. But think of how much more important that is than even the 70 or 80, maybe 90 years, and if I'm really fortunate and I've eaten all my vegetables and taken all my vitamins and I exercise, even if I live to be 100, what is that in comparison to eternity? It's nothing. It's almost like it never even happened. Do you understand? That's how, that's how big eternity is because eternity is not even big because what are you going to compare it to? It never ends. And see, that's, folks, that's what we have to look forward to. So is worship important? You better believe it's, it's, it's very important. And Ahaz tonight is going to be one of the worst. And he's going to shun God. He's going to spurn God. And all that God has told him to do, he's going to violate everything. And God in his mercy allows this man to reign for quite a while. God is a God of mercy. We can never forget that. God isn't up there, and, and people have this, this thought about who God is. That he's just some angry man in the heavens, just, you know, if you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to smash you. you know? And that's the, the idea that people have, and it's so wrong. As you read through the entire scripture, and if you read through it several times, and if you have the Spirit of God in you, if you're a Christian, you're going to come to understand the character and the nature of God. And it's so far from that. He, in fact, the Bible says that uh, judgment is his strange work. It's something he has to do because perfect love also has a perfect vengeance. He hates sin, but he loves you. Yes, even the most hardened criminal on the streets, even the serial killer, even you know the serial whatever it is, he loves that person, but he hates the sin. And he, and he certainly is allowing it for now. Because anybody notice there's a battle going on? <laughs> there's a battle for your soul. And before you came to Christ, if you're not a Christian tonight, I want to encourage you to make that decision today because you don't know, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. But I know that for a fact because I remember the moment when I was living and doing my own things, continually in sin, didn't even have a... a an, an interest in turning from my sin, happy in my sin even, even though it led me, it had some nasty results. I was happy in my sin, I wasn't looking. And then God intervened, and someone told me and shared with me in the word of God that my sin would separate me from God for eternity. And I'm like, what? I thought he was a loving God. He's like, well, he is a loving God. That's why he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to be to, to die in your place. A holy God with holy blood, the only one who could have satisfied God's holy... Who could have satisfied, who could have satisfied him? Only, only God can do that. And God the Son took that sin, took that punishment upon him that you and I deserve in our place so that we wouldn't have to receive eternal punishment. But there's one catch. I must Believe in him. I must receive him. And when I receive Christ and I confess my sins, I ask him to forgive me. And I say, Lord, come into my life by your spirit. Come in and and take up residence in this cold, nasty heart of mine. And then when he does, things change. 
Things change. It's like a new sheriff in town. You know there's something that's going on that you, you couldn't have done yourself. There is, there's, a, there's a person, the, the very Spirit of God has indwelt you. And that, the Spirit of God is always to bring worship and bring attention and glorify who? Jesus. Right? It says in John 14, he says, I have come to not glorify myself, but I've come to glorify the Son. And then what does Jesus say? I've not come to glorify myself, but I came to glorify the Father. Can you see how that all works? The Spirit of God in us, we worship Jesus Christ and the Father, and, the, and, and Jesus Christ, he glorifies the Father. That's all he does. He glorifies the, the Father. And the Spirit in us glorifies Christ. And who are you worshiping tonight? Are you worshiping a Jesus of the Bible? Or are you worshiping a Jesus of your own making? Yes, you could make a Jesus of your own making. And how do we do that? How do, I make a, how do I make a Jesus of my own making? Well, it's pretty simple, really. You go to a church where they're not teaching you the full counsel of God, all of the Bible. That's why we go through it book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word. We go through the entire thing and we expound what's there. We don't make things up. We say exactly what God is saying and show that because that's enough. But who are you worshiping? If you go to a church that says, well, it's okay for two homosexual couples to to live together and to stay together and continue in that relationship, that is a Jesus. If you hold to that and you believe that, you believe a Jesus that's different from this, from the Word of God. Because God says that that's an abomination. He also says that heterosexual fornication is also sin. Okay, So there's no favorites. But if you believe in a God that allows that and allows abortion, allows all these other things that are going on, then you believe another Jesus. But it's not the Jesus of the Bible. So it's very important that we worship Jesus of the Bible. Jesus of the Bible. Ahaz was not worshiping the God of the Bible. He was worshiping everything but it. Now, normally I like to read through the entire chapter, and this chapter is fairly short tonight, but I'm going to refrain from doing that because we've got a lot of places to go tonight. So I'm just going to jump right in, and um, I would encourage you to read it in context later. Read through the entire thing, and maybe listen to the recording uh, through our, you know, the podcast, or you can look at the video um, after the service. You can go to you know, our website, and you can review the whole thing again another time and take more notes or whatever, but I'm just going to get started. So notice in the... In the uh, why did I turn to Luke? <laughs> I turned to Luke for some reason. All right, 2 Kings chapter 16. Notice what it says. In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. So we're talking about two different kings. Pekah, who was the son of Remaliah, he was um, the, the king in the northern ten tribes. He reigned for 20 years in Israel from 752 to 732 B.C., a total of 20 years. But the real, um, and he was the eighth dynasty of the northern kingdom. And then it says, and then Ahaz, so in the 17th year of this Pekah, son of Remaliah, Ahaz, 
the son of Jotham, who was king of Judah, he began to reign. And his reign, Ahaz's reign, began in 735 B.C. while being co-regent with his father Jotham of Judah. Jotham lived longer, but uh, through a series of things, his son Ahaz had to come in and, and help his father oversee the kingdom. And he was actually a vice regent for a season until he became a um, uh, vice regent until he actually became a um, the king himself. And so he reigned. Uh, with his father until his father died. But notice in verse 2, it says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. So now we're speaking specifically of Ahaz. And notice what it says. And he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, as his father David had done before. Now this was interesting, because you, you heard me say that Ahaz was one of the worst kings of Judah, and he is. Now, there's also another king that his name sounds very similar to Ahaz, and it's Ahab. Ahab and Ahaz. And an easy way to remember which king reigned in which kingdom is to envision, if you will, if you look up at me and you see a picture of, of, of Israel, here's the northern part of Israel, here's the southern part, and, and so you have the northern part and then the southern part underneath. Well, the think of Ahab with a B at the end, and then Ahaz with a Z at the end. So it, it's just a little easy mnemonic where you can remember, is Ahab, which kingdom was it? Because the Ahab and Ahaz, if you're like me, I always get those confused until I created my own little mnemonic device to help me remember where they went, okay? But um, remember Ahab, we, we already discussed him prior, and you remember that Elijah and Elisha were contemporaries of King Ahab. But now Ahaz, um, it says that in verse 3, it says that Ahaz walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. Now, having his son pass through the fire means that he literally sacrificed him to a pagan Canaanite deity. And there, there were a number of Canaanite deities, but often it was Molech, this, this god that looked like um, part bull and part you know, man. And uh, he was a, a Canaanite deity. And they did this sort of practice of causing their sons to pass through the fire. They did this in the valley of the sun of Hinnom. And you may be wondering, well, where is this valley of the son of Hinnom? Well, it's located, uh, if you look on the screen, you can see a map of it. And this area right to the south of, this is the Temple Mount up in the center right here. And this is the city of David, Zion. So right below that is the, the Hinnom Valley, and right in this valley is where they would typically do these child sacrifices, and they would, um, uh, have, they would have this molten uh, uh, god that we will look at in just a moment. Today, if you were to look at this place, the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, here is a picture of it, and, and basically this is just the uh, there's a road going around the southern end of Mount Zion. The Temple Mount is up in this area off to the screen that you can't see. 
But the a road that we take a bus often uh, goes up around here like this. And this is all like a garden, and, and, and the, the soil there is very rich. And, and no doubt, because it used to be a garbage pit. And this is also where they would sacrifice, they would have a place in this area called Topheth. And it was an area where they would have an altar, and they would heat up this, uh, this deity that looks similar to this. It was a, a molten image, and they would light a fire on it, and it would become molten red, so hot. And they would take children, postpartum, they would take them and put them into the arms of Molech, and the baby would, would incinerate there in the arms of this god that they had created. And the worshipers would raise their voices, and they would scream at the top of their lungs, and they would worship Molech so much that they couldn't hear the child screaming. And this is how awful things had become. And can you imagine the heart of God? What do you think he thought about all of that? I think you know. Now, Ahaz wasn't the only one who did this abominable practice. We know that in 2 Kings chapter 21, um, Manasseh, who was Ahaz's grandson, he also caused his son to pass through the fire. If you're um, at 2 Kings chapter 16, go to 2 Kings chapter 21. Just flip over a couple of pages to chapter 21, and we'll see that Ahaz's grandson, who we will read about in coming weeks, his name was Manasseh. He was another horrible, horrible king. And notice that he did the same practice. It says in 2 Kings 21, beginning in verse 1, Now Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And why? He rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image, and as, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. And he worshipped all the host of heaven, and he served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord, to which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And also, verse 6, here it is. He made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, he used witchcraft, he consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, notice, to provoke him to anger. And so this practice was done by not only uh, kings in the north, but the kings in the south began to do it as well. They began to worship. It wasn't good enough to worship the God of the creation. Now you've got to worship you know, these four-footed things and these images of things that God said for not, them not to worship. Later on in history, from, Hezekiah, or, excuse me, from Manasseh, in chapter 23 of 2 Kings, there's going to come a man, and we're going to read about him in coming weeks. His name was Josiah. He was one of the greatest kings Israel had ever had. He was, he was a reformer king. All of them were doing these horrible, despicable things. And when Josiah came to the throne, he got rid of it all. He dismantled these altars. He burned everything up. 
He, he, he cleaned house, literally. And it says in 2 Kings 23, verse 10, that he defiled Topheth, this place where they would, at the, at the, in the valley of the son of Hinnom, where they would do these abominable practices. He totally defiled it, um, Josiah did. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.